This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review El Amudio by 11th Day Dream. It's a unique set of pieces that come together in a specific way that makes them sound original. And You liked track two, but I didn't really like track two. You're not. So I guess I... <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr... Jason Ziak. Jay, this is our last uh, review show for the 2012 season, our second season of Dig Me Out, and uh, we'll be following this up with our end of the year review show. So, of course, Jay, we're going to do a listener suggestion uh, is, to this one. Is this episode 101? This is 101. This is episode 2-101. <laughs> Who would have ever thunk it? Yeah. 101 episodes. Jay, when they when we started, they, they told us we were just a couple of crazy kids with <laughs> a dream and a dollar. And now we still have a dream, but no dollar. That's been eaten up by our bandwidth. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, we didn't have a dollar to start. But what we do have are great listener suggestions. Lots of them. We've been trying to get through as many as possible before the end of the year. And we're finally getting to one by Mr. Martin L. Kennedy, who suggested that we check out the band 11th Dream Day. Jay, were you familiar with 11th Dream Day before this episode? Uh, I was not, although I have to say that um, I swore that we were reviewing 11th Day Dream until about the fifth time listening to the record and realized that wasn't the name of the band. Yeah, I had the same problem. I kept thinking it was 11th Day Dream because that seems to make more sense to me in my brain, but it's 11th Dream Day. So what can you say? What can we do? Yeah. Maybe we could retroactively go back and get them to change their their band name. So neither of us were were, uh, familiar because I was not familiar with this band either. Not either, either. Hells no. uh, And uh, so this was a new discovery for both of us. So why don't we jump in and do the history of the band? History of the band. So, Jay, where do you think that 11th Dream Day is from? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I don't know, mid Midwestern? You are close. If you want to focus in on a particular city. Uh, how about Chicago? Boom! Nailed it. Really? Yeah, 11th Dream Day formed in Chicago, Illinois in 1993 by Rick Rizzo on guitar and vocals, Janet Bean on vocals and guitar. They added Baird Fiji or Figgy, F-I-G-I, on guitar and Doug McCombs on drums. Now, eventually, I believe that there would be some switching around of instruments and that McCombs uh, or Bean would actually move to drums. I'm not sure who's playing bass. This was very confusing because uh, it's just list guitar, 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 but guitar could also mean bass guitar. So that's the, uh, that's the confusion part for me. What's not confusing is that their first, I'm sorry, I said 1993. That's not true. They did not form in 1993 because the first self-titled EP came out in 1987. So that must be uh, a typo on my part. It must be 
83. Wake up, pothead. Sorry. Well, you know, it's legal now in Colorado and Washington, which is where I spent the last four weeks uh, in both Colorado and Washington. So they had their first self-titled EP, came out in 1987. Uh, that was followed by their first album, which was called Prairie School Freakout. It was released on Amoeba Records in July of 1987. They then signed to Atlantic Records, like so many alternative rock bands did in the late 80s and early 90s. They released their second album, Beat, in June of 1989 on Atlantic. Their third album, Borsch, came out. B-O-R-S-C, B-O-R-S-C-H-T, Borscht. It was released in 1990. This album, excuse me now, then Live to Tell came out in 1991. Their fifth album, El Mudio, which we are reviewing, came out in April of 1993. Their sixth album, I'm getting so confused here. Sixth album, Ursa Major, released in 94. Seventh album, which was called Eight, was released in 97. Their eighth album, Stalled Parade, was released in September of 2000. Their ninth album, Zeros and Ones, released in April of 2006. And their tenth album, Right Now, with an exclamation point, released in March of 2011. And it should be noted that drummer Doug McCombs also plays in Tortoise. Hold on. What? The newest album is called Riot Now. Riot Now? Yes. I'm going to have to get with the intern who put together these <laughs> notes for me. I'm looking at the album on Spotify. And when did, they, when did they form, Jay? Does it say in the Spotify biography? What year they formed? Yeah. 1981. Okay, so clearly our intern is now fired for all this misinformation that I've received. Uh, yeah, they got a lot of albums, huh? Yeah, yeah they do. On Spotify, they have um, the album Live to Tell. They have it also on here labeled as 11th dream day and they having come out in 1991 so they have the album on here twice they have eps they have live albums there's a lot of stuff going on so like martin l kennedy if you want to suggest an album head on over to our uh, request a review page at dig me out podcast podcast.com we did get some facebook feedback for this album Uh, zach moore chimed in he said great album that draws heavily on influences, Rubber Band sounds like it could have come off of any 70s Neil Young album, but still manages to sound fresh and original. The dual vocals work really nicely. Making a Rug and After This Time is Gone are classics in my book. And then David Gorgos, familiar to many on the show as Dirty Gert on Twitter, uh, he said, this album is so effing good it hurts. Did I suggest it? If not, I would like to retroactively suggest it. The two long songs are beautiful, and the one you linked to, which was Making Like a Rug, is a great rocker. So, Jay, we had a lot of positive Facebook feedback for this particular record. And then we got an email, of all things, from friend of the show, Stephen Frazier over, I believe, in the UK. He said, I noticed you were reviewing the band, and I kind of remember one of their songs being on a ski and snowboarding soundtrack. And there were some other interesting bands on there as well. Uh, acetone, seam, verbena, and others. Uh, this I gotta say, this is a very good pick. And there were some other interesting bands on that soundtrack. Um, another one that has uh, never mind. This was that was doesn't have anything to do with it. But anyway, another chime in for a positive uh, huh. feedback for Eleventh Day Eleventh Dream, Dream Day. I knew I was gonna do that. Uh, so Jay, you've mm. heard all the words. Of that people have praised this particular album. 
is El Mudio a dream day for you, or was this album a nightmare? Wow, uh, good setup. Um, you know, I, it, it's 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 a grower. It's been growing on me. Um, my first listen through it, I really responded to some of the darker stuff on here. Um, the more moody material. Um, so songs like Two Figured Out, uh, Seven, Million, and Ten Rubber Band um, that I think are a little bit, um, they tend to be slower. They have sort of the pick guitar parts that, that build. Um, you know, they do have a little bit of a Neil young kind of approach to them. I don't think anybody would ever confuse this band for Neil Young, but there's some similarities no. in terms of um, have a bit of a folky kind of um, classic rock underbelly to them. Mm-hmm. The uh, I I always respond to any time there's you know a, a, um, two singers, a female, male. I'm always find that contrast really interesting. Um, there's times in this record where that works really well, and there's other times where it doesn't. And then there's many times where I wish they would at least try it, and they don't. Um, you know, the more I listen to it, um, in terms of, you know, a growing on me, I started to like some of the more, I guess, pop friendlier, you know, at first listen, I, I almost felt it was Jim Blossom ish. some of the songs. Really? Um, like song, like, uh, three after this time is gone, you know, if at, at first blush, it sort of felt that way to me. to this band but I, i'm just you know I'm, I'm just saying that you know at first listen i kind of wrote those songs off a little bit and sort of didn't really i guess give them as as much attention um it was drawn to to, to some of the um material but you know listening to it more those songs um i think they they tend to have the more successful um female male vocal parts and the more um 
I guess, refined melodies. Mm-hmm. So I found myself enjoying those songs more than to the record. Um, there's a good chunk of this record, though, that I'm still not quite connecting with. So songs like Murder, The the Raft, um, you know, some of the material like that, Ben Bridge, they, they sort of get, I don't know, they almost feel like uh, Talking Heads or David Byrne kind of songs, like kind of weird Mm-hmm. vocal delivery and I don't know they didn't really connect with me they seemed I wasn't quite sure where the band was going on that material um, and a couple of the songs too like the vocal sounds very different like almost another person like a third person is singing I'm not quite sure what's going on with that but um, you know there, there, I guess there's three sides to this band and um, one side I responded to very quickly the second, second side I you know, it took a little while, but but it's grown on me. I like it quite a bit. And there's a third side that I haven't quite, and don't think I will ever sort of really get into. So that's where I'm at with it. It's funny. I think I, I arrived at the same place, but from an opposite trajectory. In mm-hmm. that, I instantly responded to songs like "Making a Making Like a Rug," and mm-hmm. "After This Time Is Gone." I think the thing that I heard with "After This Time Is Gone" is sort of like a Jayhawks jangle pop almost velvety crush kind of sound in the in the in the guitars and you know when when the jayhawks would have um the female keyboard player sing the backup vocals on some of the songs uh that's that where i was kind of coming from with with you know in in terms of the the mid-tempo sound of that song um i like the opening track making like a rug it has these like buzzsaw guitars that kind of come in and out and then um uh janet bean is sort of like singing or not singing she's sort of speaking the verses Mm -hmm. but then you have that back and forth male vocal male female vocal in the chorus which really works it's not necessarily the most hookiest song but it's just got enough interesting stuff going on that it made me want to listen to it over again also liked that's the point which is track six it's probably the most straightforward and like closest to punk i would say on the on the record um but it took me a little while to get into 
tracks uh, five and ten, which I think are the closest to not just Neil Young, but like Sonic Youth and a little bit of Velvet Underground. Honey Slide, track five, reminds me a lot of Heroin by Velvet Underground, where it just sort of builds and builds. And then the best part of the song for me comes in at about five and a half minutes in, where it starts to get really loud and and sort of a freak out jam part, um, which, you know, once on an album or twice on an album packed with, you know, some three and a half to four minute long poppy jangly, you know, songs that, that works for me. If this was half honey slide, half, you know, making like a rug, it might get a little repetitive, but I think they Mm -hmm. do a good job for the most part of differentiating like you said, there's sort of three different vibes going on. And I'm with you. Like, the raft and and murder did not necessarily connect with me. Murder reminded me of sort of a an attempt at, like, a Nick Cave and a, and a, uh, a yeah. song from, like, the 90s. Like, it's it's got a bluesy vibrato guitar, and it's kind of dark, and it's okay. Uh, it just doesn't... It's very um, sparse sounding too, like a, a yeah. lot of the other songs. Um, I really like how the uh, the guitars are textured and they're kind of razory. And there's a the, the songs have like a pretty wild lead guitar on them. And that song is a lot of it is really stripped down. Like it's kind of almost sounds like one guitar mm-hmm. for most of it, and it just sounds a little. I'm not quite sure what what the approach was on that. What the thinking was it? I did like in um. Like that's weird. In Ben Bridge, I think it was one of the ones that you said you, you didn't care for as much, but I, I liked that they, I thought they changed it up a little bit in that I think there's an organ that they add on that song. Um, and there's some cool guitar stuff that goes on in that one too. It remind. I think that, you know, we're mentioning like Neil Young and Sonic Youth. Those guitar influences are definitely there. Um, it's where they're sort of combining like a classic rock sound with more experimental. You know, some of the leads and stuff reminded me of like Jay Massis of Dinosaur Jr., which is obviously influenced by Neil Young's, you know, guitar playing and even his vocals to some mm-hmm. extent. 
the the one thing that holds them back on uh, i think the record overall is i don't like the pacing of the record it starts out with a pretty damn cool song and then the next song is really slow it's over five minutes long but it's just a weird second choice or second yeah. second you know second song choice that's my favorite song on the record but yeah it's a weird place to put it like i felt like when i was listening to the record the first time like maybe i had it on random play or something yeah i, I think i even checked because it's just such a shift from the first song to that one um it seems very peculiar like uh you know there's a there's enough variety in tempos in this record that you really could pace it you know kind of start fast and slow down um really slow with honey slide and then kind of build back up or there's a lot of different ways you could do it but the rhythm they have is kind of like fast slow fast slow really slow fast slow you know it it is a bit uh seems a bit random yeah when you're listening to it it almost you almost wonder like did i jump to another record like it's so jarring from song to song you know, go you go track one is up tempo and poppy, and then track two is slow, and track three is up tempo and plot poppy, and then track four is slow, and then five gets even slower, and then you get a punk rock song, and then you get this motherland, which is kind of an oddball song. It starts out loud, and then they kind of go to like a broken halftime feel for the for the verses, um, and the uh, the song really didn't have much of a chorus. It, it kind of has some interesting parts, but doesn't really gel for me overall. Um, and then you get into like a, like the raft, which is a little bit more experimental. It has some like noisy parts to it. It's just it's a it's a jarring a sort of up and down experience. Which maybe that's better because maybe if they had front loaded it with all of the you know if you had gone from making like a rug into after this time is gone, then into you know, another maybe Ben Bridge or something like that, it might have actually made the back half of the record unbearable because of all the slow songs. Yeah, yeah, it could have. Uh, I, I think it'd be better than it is in terms of sequencing, that's for sure. Um, one of the things I noticed about this band is that they are successful in terms of, I wish there was a better word for this because I hate using it, but they capture a vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they kind of, you know, the combination of sounds and the melodies and the, even the, the the way that they sing um it just it's a unique set of pieces that come together in a specific way that makes them sound original and gives it a uh, i don't know it gives it some of the emotion that's that you know comes across it, it's just an artifact of, of a, the, those right elements coming together and um there's times when that happens and there's many times when it doesn't um, I think that's why I was attracted to some of the more mid-tempo and slow stuff because I just felt like with his voice in particular and the way that the t- guitar is textured, um, that you could it made more opportunities for that stuff to happen. Um, and you know, vocally, what do you think about the vocals on this record? I thought sometimes they really worked, and then and I like you, I was confused because on certain songs. It doesn't sound like the same. It sounds like the same female vocal on song to song. It doesn't sound mm-hmm. like the same male vocal from song to song, which yeah. makes me wonder if more than was just Rick Rizzo singing. Um, unfortunately, uh, the intern who screwed up both the band year <laughs> and the album title 
uh, has run away and will not fact check that for this this for me. Yeah. So I can't it, uh, comment on that. He he's not the world's greatest singer. Um, he actually I don't know if you've ever listened to any Cobra Verde, but he actually reminded me quite a bit of the vocals in that band. And um, it's just interesting. Like uh, there are certain songs where they really lend themselves to to you know sort of his limited range, and it's fine. And then there's other songs where uh, having the second vocal definitely helps. Having the female vocal come in really kind of say it. Because if I think if you you know that that one male vocal was there by itself, it would it would not work at all. So there's just kind of this weird inconsistency going on through the whole record in terms of the the vocal, both when he when the male vocal is by itself, and then also how it's combined with the female um, vocal and. Sometimes it's a harmony. Sometimes they trade things. Sometimes they do counters. I kind of just wish they would find a little bit more of a, you know, a formula there and, and kind of stick with it. You know, not that I want the whole record to sound the same way, but you know, you you would hope a band would start to discover like, you know, what ways using the tools we have, what ways can we put those together where it really works, and then let's figure out how many different ways we can, you know, keep doing that and reusing it, and. uh I get the sense on this record that uh, it's not really quite figured out yet. It, it definitely works best on a track like After This Time Is Gone where they're singing in harmony together. Yeah. Uh, their voices sound good together, and it's hard to do that. So when you're able to actually pull it off, it sounds really good. I do like it when they do some more experimental things, when they do the back and forths, when she sings apart and he sings yeah. apart opposite of each other. I do like when they do that, but I agree it with you. Like... I would have liked actually more harmonies um, or counter melodies yeah. from this. It just seems like she kind of disappears from the record for a while, doesn't it? Yeah, there are definitely songs where she could have shown up, and I don't know if maybe that, you know, it's mentioned that she was playing drums at some point. I don't know, maybe those were the songs uh -huh. that she was playing drums on. Yeah. I don't know. Perhaps one of our listeners will chime in with uh, some more information about, since this, this seems to be a rather beloved well, there's, uh, band. There's definitely plenty of material here, here to uh, to see where this band went. I think it's uh, safe to say that they, whatever vision they had starting in the, in the late 80s, they, they were able to, I, ho I would hope, in the course of 10 records or whatever, see that through. So uh, it, it would be a definitely, it would be an interesting catalog to, uh, explore a little further now it's interesting that you instantly guessed that they were both midwest and then from chicago because i didn't in terms of placing this with the other bands from chicago that we've reviewed like urge overkill and triple fast action and then when i think of other bands from chicago uh, of this era uh you know whether it's the pumpkins or salt or fig dish or you know those sorts of bands i don't hear i don't see the connection to those bands where I, I can see the connection to th those other bands have to each other in terms of sonically I feel like like you mentioned there's these guitars are a lot more raw and in your face than any of those bands that we mentioned and this is you know this is uh, five albums into their career it wasn't like they were rookies you know they had had some experience yeah I, I think it was um some of the vocal stuff on here sounded like uh, it did remind me of Arch Overkill a little bit in terms of like singing in that like 
artificially deep kind of register sometimes, which also mm. reminded me of the guy from Cobra Verde, which is a Cleveland band. So there was sort of a Midwestern, I don't know, cue there for me, what, what they were trying to do with vocal. Also, there was a little bit of like track one. You can hear some Pixies influence in there. So mm-hmm. that made me start to think like, okay, it's definitely American. And then also like with the way that the, um, really the guitars are done, they're not, um, you know, they're, they're fairly, even though they're, they can get a little twangy and jangly at times. They're, you know, they're fairly dry. And, um, you know, that lead coming over top, some, you know, the, the, in the places that that lead guitar goes sometimes screams American to me. So it felt like it was an American band. And, um, you know, didn't hear anything that made me think, you know, East or West Coast. So that's kind of, I think, where I ended up. Why? I'm guessing Midwest and then Chicago. It's funny that you mentioned the Pixies. That totally escaped me, and that totally makes sense. And that the stuff that Kim Deal's doing, and especially with the harmonies yeah, that she did like, back uh, track then. one going into that, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." And then I was like, "Oh boy, I hope this isn't a whole album that sounds like the Pixies." And uh, it's not, but that first song for sure has a lot of Pixies influence on it. So, in terms of your overall uh, opinion on this record. Where are you at? Are you the worthy EP, a worthy album, better EP, or a decent single? Um, I think it's worthy. You know, I I would really only cut out maybe three songs from this, and I'm not gonna. Well, you're talking about a ten song album, so. Yeah, that's true. God, seven seems like too much for an EP. I think it's a worth. I still think it's a worthy album, even though some of those songs I'm, I'm critical of. I don't necessarily think they're 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 throwaway or you know they're not like album track they're not like experimental tracks or anything i mean they're, they're trying to they're not they're not awful I, th- I think a lot of people who liked most of the record would would maybe you know be fine with those as well um so i, I think it's a it's a worthy album i think the band's unique enough in the pieces that they're putting together that um it keeps me interested it, you know it's not it's not as consistent i guess um I'd love, but uh, I definitely think it's worth a listen. Well, I'm at six songs because I actually you liked track two, but I didn't really like track two. You're not. So I guess I. Uh, <laughs> I guess You're I'm not. at it. I, okay, all right. Well, you've you've <laughs> expressed your opinion on that. I don't need to yell. Uh, I guess that makes me at an EP, but I'm real close. I'm real close. I I, I think that. So funny. The, why? It's so funny that we can be close on a record, but like that song is my favorite song by far, and you don't even like it. <laughs> but we basically agree on the record. No, I I, I think that hell? either tracks one or three are the best song on the record. Yeah. So I'm, you're wrong. I'm a, I'm a weirdo. I know. So here's my question: Why didn't this do better, considering the buzz that Chicago was getting? In the early 90s when this came out, you know, this is 93. So you're talking two years, year and a half into the alternative explosion. Pumpkins are on the on the board at this point. They got Gish's out. Uh, you know, there's definitely bands that are being signed and successful. You and I, neither of us heard of this band at this yeah. point. So and I'm guessing there are quite a few other people that are not going to be familiar with this band. So is it the male female thing? 
Is that is it because there's not really a an identifiable single? I guess you'd say. I feel like making like a rug. I couldn't find a video for it, but I feel like that would make a good single with a with like a an, a video that would be played on 120 minutes, uh, a couple times. But I couldn't find a video for this album. I think after this time is gone, if it had a better chorus, would be a candidate. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot. I think it's a good song. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, cool melodic stuff going on. And But at the end of the day, it doesn't have a huge chorus. Like, you know, I think I mentioned like a band like the Jim Blossoms where, you know, this is a far spirit to that, but it doesn't have that sing-along chorus or whatever. So... That's you know, going like- to be tough to sell. And then there's, you know, components of, you know, parts of this, like I listen to that song, I'm like little pieces of it kind of sound like super chunk, but janglier or something. So it's kind of in a weird middle space where yeah. it's kind of jangly at times, but vocally not super hooky. It's kind of more smart from a vocal standpoint. Um, you know, and at the time it came out, you know, we were... A lot of music was headed in a heavier guitar direction than this is. This isn't really heavy from a guitar standpoint. I mean, it's, you know, sword and stuff, but it's not like, you know. It's not angsty. Or anything. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of in a weird, weird space of like being kind of in the middle between like smart or you kind of all pop and, and you know, what we know of as more commercial alternative, you know, rock you know, I know people like to like to crap on the gin blossoms, but I just want to say, if you were to remove "Hey Jealousy" from their canon and just go with like "Until I Fall Away" and "Allison Road" and "Till I Hear It From You," and just say, mm-hmm. "Here's three power pop songs. Here's three jangly power pop songs from a new band," I think people who are into the, like those bands would not crap on them the way I think that they, I think that because they came out with like a rockin' single in Hey Jealousy, they yeah. got, they got tossed in with like the candle box and, and that wave. Sure. But they, that band is a lot better than people give them credit for. They wrote, they wrote some really good melodies and really good songs. I'm not going to well, yeah. claim anything that is on that second album is any good. It's, it's pretty awful. But on that first album, there are like five or six really, really strong. I have a certain level of respect for anybody who actually like writes their own material, plays their own instruments, and is able to figure out in that formula how to have a hit song. You know, yeah. It is not easy to do. Some people stumble into it, but a band like that who did it three, four, five times, you know, there's something to be said for that. Are they my favorite band? No, but I have no. a level of respect for them yeah. being able to, to pull that off. And, you know, it could be a lot worse. You know, look at some of the music that's popular right now. I mean, oh, God. I mean, just think about the, the how low the bar is. <laughs> um, now, yeah. I mean, stuff like the Jim Blossom seems like freaking Elton John, for God's sakes, at this point. And on that note, after we have defended the Jim Blossoms, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. Uh, Stay tuned for next week. We're going to have our end of the year wrap up show. Jay and I will don the bow ties. uh, Not the bow ties, the, uh, the 
tuxedos and well, I guess bow ties go with tuxedos. That's true. Uh, we're going to do our top five favorite songs of the year and our album discovery. Favorite album that we discovered this year and a whole bunch of more stuff. So come on back for our year-end wrap-up, which I believe will be uh, out right around New Year's. So there you go. Enjoy it. Have some fun and stop by iTunes and leave us some positive feedback. Jay, thank you once again for joining me. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Want to leave feedback? Join the conversation at digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. While you're there, support the podcast by visiting our donation and merchandise pages. And thanks for listening. Snap.